0: You've thought about joining a book club, but there's one problem. You're too busy, or buying books aren't in your budget, or some books aren't in the format that you can access, or you lose interest before you can finish, or maybe you have no interest in reading the book. Whatever the reason, there is a book club for that. Here at Book Interrupted, reading the book is not a prerequisite for joining the conversation. It's about connecting and celebrating life's interruptions. Join the community by following us on Facebook or contact us through our website at www.bookinterrupted.com slash fans. We'd love to hear from you. Book Interrupted is running another contest. We're giving away a one-year membership to Masterclass. Is there a passion project you've always wanted to pursue? To find out more, go to www.bookinterrupted.com slash contests. Parental guidance is recommended because this episode has mature topics and strong language. Here are some moments you can look forward to during this episode
1: of Book Interrupted. Have one goddamn second to yourself, you know? <laughs>
2: I can't do Zoom calls. I can't do... I'm just h- holding on by a thread here. Don't mm-hmm.
3: give me sympathy. Don't give me explanations. Mm-hmm. Don't give me solutions. Don't give me any of that. To the point
4: of pushing them away because we just keep on talking <laughs> about the same thing. <laughs> Trying to be supportive, but I'm just not a good listener. It's just like, when can we put the mic back on me? <laughs> it's of- is being expressed and accepted. And you would look at me like, I'm going to move a couple <laughs> of
1: robots. <laughs> right. I'm-
5: Uh, uh,
1: uh,
0: Welcome to Book Interrupted, a book club for busy people to connect and one that celebrates life's interruptions. If you'd like to join along, this book cycle is from June 20th to July 25th. It's Meredith's book pick. And we're reading Nonviolent Communication by Marshall B. Rosenberg. Nonviolent Communication illustrates how to use language to strengthen your relationships, build trust, prevent conflict, and heal. All right, so it's personal journal time. Let's see what the members of Book Interrupted thought outside the group.
3: Hey, so this is my second personal journal for Nonviolent Communication by Marshall B. Rosenberg. And I'm about three quarters of the way through the book. It's a very easy read so far, or it's easily set up, I guess. It's all in little sections, so each chapter is an idea that they build on. There's little grey boxes, which have ideas that highlight within those chapters that you should pay attention to. There's little anecdotes, there's an NVC in action where it says, A little story or a way that uh, it worked, it was put into action, um, the idea. It has a summary at the end, it also has exercises you can do in order to practice what you've learned. So I really like that. It is very easy, but that being said I'm not really finding an enjoyable read. I am trying to get through it so I can read something I want to. Uh, But there have been a few things that I have appreciated I appreciate not using labels. Um, When we give people labels, we tend to act in a way that contributes to the very behavior that concerns us, which we then view as further confirmation of our diagnosis, which I totally agree with. Uh, Honesty being a gift more precious to others than accommodating them to to prevent their upsets. Clear requests of what to do without vague, abstract, or ambiguous language. Very important to me. I really don't like the anger section. I find it, I can totally understand why it would be considered tone policing. I rarely get angry, but when I do, I always feel like I'm entitled to it, which I guess is wrong in this. I also just don't think that I can justify giving somebody empathy or space or time to spout their ideas if they're hatred towards somebody or hatred towards a group of people. I just don't like that. But besides that, there's definitely a few things. I do find it's very common sense. It's using a lot of words to say certain things, but it also feels like it's a lot of work to be able to learn how to do this properly. So I'm just going to finish the book and then I will look back through my notes, see what I think, reassess, and then I'll come back with uh, my
5: final book report and idea. I think that nonviolent communication is a good thing. I think that the gist of knowing your needs and taking another person's needs into consideration when you are communicating are important guidelines to keep in mind, especially if you're trying to solve a conflict so that's good. But in terms of like if I am enjoying reading this book, I'm not It's just dry and I, it's it's really I'm really conflicted because this. Content and topic is something that I'm usually really interested in. I am really interested in. So I'm usually quite motivated to read it. But there's something about, I don't know if it's the tone. Because there's nothing wrong with the information. Most of the information I totally agree with. I don't know if it's the way other people take the information. That maybe I'm misdirecting my discontent back to the book. I should probably look deeper into why I have this issue. Maybe it's about me not liking that some people don't do the very things that nonviolent communication is telling people to do. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. But Personal Journal 2, I agree with the messages, but I don't really like the vehicle in which they are delivered. (laughs) So there you go. That's the end of that. Thank you. Goodbye.
0: So far, I, I really like this book. I love that they have like all the different emotions. I also like the different needs because I was feeling like when I was reading it at one point, because, you know, they were saying it's hard to figure out what your needs are and you communicate your needs. And I really like the needs page because I realized that my the thing that causes conflict the most for me is my need for peace. And then that's where I go into the other emotions. You know, that's another thing, the part that they said, like, where do you default to? um, Do you blame yourself? Do you blame others? Do you identify with your feelings or identify with other people's feelings? But the example he gave was someone saying someone else is selfish. And I was really trying to think what my go-to is. But because the story in it, the example in it had to do with selfish, I realized, and I think this might be something, is that that's a trigger for me because that's the worst thing you ever be,
2: according to my mom.
0: Is selfish. Like I was raised that selfish is the worst you could ever be. When I have that situation, I would immediately go to blaming the other person, identify with my own feelings, and then I would go to identifying with the other person's feelings, and then eventually get to blaming myself for getting so upset over it. But that's like the only scenario when there's some sort of like trigger for me. But when I think in most situations, like most scenarios where I am in a conflict, I would say that I immediately either default to blaming myself or I go to identifying with other people's feelings. And ultimately, the need that I'm always trying to meet is peace. I'd rather not be in a conflict at all costs. <laughs> so there you go. That's how I identify. Anyway, so far, good book. I'm enjoying it. I like the little like examples and stories it gives and stuff like that.
4: Uh, yeah, I'm just shy of halfway through the book. It's a short little book, which is always handy. It's really interesting so far. My initial thoughts were kind of this is a bit of a snooze fest. This is a bit boring, a little technical. But the more we get into it, and especially after discussing it with the rest of the girls in the book club, the more that practical, boring initial reaction is actually kind of helpful because I can really use the tools. The the well, I think the word he uses fundamentals for um putting some of his ideas about communication into good practice, which I need. I'm very, I'm very assertive. This book helped me to think about how the other half lives, you know, like how the, how people who communicate differently than me feel and how they might be communicating with me in, even though it's a different manner of communication that I personally choose to use. I'm very direct. I'm very to the point. You always get the like honest to goodness, straightforward facts from me. Sometimes my delivery is a little bit harsh. That of course is hard on lots of people. And I have trouble understanding why people can't be honest and why they can't be honest on a dime with themselves or with me or direct with me. So that's challenging. And... I want to be more thoughtful with my words. I want to be more patient with my emotional kind of go-to-ness. And this book has a lot of really good ideas that putting things down to what needs are not being met really kind of gets down to the core of any, any kind of uncomfortable conversations or fights you might have with someone like what need is not being met and what I came away with so far in the book is the need that that triggers me into anger. I guess is loss of power or loss of control uh, gives me an anger reaction. But the truth is, it's hiding a fear reaction. I guess the need is to feel in control. The need is to feel. Hmm. It's such a hard thing and such a simple thing at the same time. To talk about you know what is your need. But I'm gonna really pause on that and think about that more and how how is that why is that a need? It's really interesting to me. It's sparking a lot of these thoughts in myself. Like why, why do I do things the way I do them? All in all, I feel really good about the book. What at first I was just kind of like not into it. Now feels very practical in the best possible way. Very usable.
1: So that's it so far. And I'll see you on my book report. Hello again, friends. It's Kara coming back with some more on this incredible book. But anyways, let's just jump right in to how much I freaking love this book. Holy cow. I really am a firm uh, believer that we are emotional beings who think and we are not thinking beings who feel. And I feel like Marshall gets it. He knows, he understands this. I wanna highlight a chapter that really spoke to me because it's always helpful when you have moments to pause and reflect on yourself cuz that's where potentially change can be born like the things that bring us to our knees those crisis moments absolutely are like huge motivators towards making change in our lives but so is some like good old fashioned reflection like actually paying attention uh to what you're saying feeling how you're behaving and this chapter 5 did just that for me so as i continue to try to learn more in the hopes of getting myself much more comfortable and familiar with the emotion of anger, which I have habitually obliterated from my life for so long, just really believing that um, it is not safe for me to express anger because then that would grossly offend people and then they wouldn't want to include me. And uh, one of the things I've been working for too many years to count is that it is very important for me uh not to feel ostracized or not included this is such a helpful book in helping me understand something that i've been very fearful of conflict um so this chapter talks about like different ways in which people tend to respond uh when it comes to like negative feedback it's really great so it's saying here that the four options for receiving negative messages tend to be number one, blame ourselves. Number two, blame others. Number three, sense our own feelings and needs. And number four, sense others' feelings and needs. And I was like, huh, is that what's going on here? So yeah, I had a great think about this. And pretty much I cannot think of any moment outside of my road rage where I don't blame myself first. That's almost like 99.99999% of the time, if I'm receiving negative feedback, I instantly, like without even question, it's like just this like automatic, like program that I've got running on. And I'm like, okay, go along with it. I'm just going to keep blaming myself. So I always do that first. Then I tend to sense others' feelings and needs. I just try to understand like what the heck has uh, happened because obviously I identify with my own perspective. So then I, after I blame myself, I go into trying to more understand someone else. So that involves me wanting to sense others' uh, feelings and needs. Then I mildly touch upon my third stop, which is blaming others. Uh, I tend to be guilty of uh, being a bit too empathetic and really understanding to the best of my ability uh, why someone said or did something or behaved in a certain way. And then if it's like poor choices on their part, uh, because I'm so prone to over empathizing, I really uh, tend to dip into like enabling as if because I can understand it then that can excuse the poor uh, behavior that came along. And so it rarely results in blaming another. Really the only other time I could think of where I do legitimately like hardcore, unapologetically blame another is with things that don't have to do with me. So if it is a grave injustice being done to another, in particular an animal, a child, or a marginalized group, I become like a psychotic social activist, like justice warrior, union leader. Um, Like I've become like a lawyer. Like I just, I want to throw down. <laughs> so those are really the only times that I go into blaming others. And then the last stop uh, in this whole protocol that I've got when it comes to receiving negative feedback about myself is uh, then it takes me forever and a day to sense my own feelings and my own needs. The water is clear as mud, folks, in that department. It takes a tremendous amount of time to feel safe enough and to trust myself enough to get in the boat and go down that river and to really sink into me to be still enough and quiet enough and to really just uh, catch those thoughts that lead me to my uh, feelings and my beliefs, it takes a really long time to get there. It can be done, uh, but it certainly isn't uh, quick. So I thought I'd share that because it really, that's one of the chapters that jumped out the most at me. And I hope that you found it interesting as well. I wonder, how do you respond to negative feedback? I want to talk a little bit about the use of force. So
2: in the book, he talks about the protective use of force because sometimes you don't want to use nonviolent communication in certain situations, particularly if there's it's a safety concern. You know, if a kid's wandering into the street, you're not going to start talking about their needs. You're just going to grab them and pull them onto the curb if a car is coming. And in that chapter, he talks about the punitive use of force, which is very common in our society, particularly with children, but also with adults. So I'm going to use examples of using punitive uses of force with children because it's very easy for people to understand. It's pretty widespread as well. He tells us there's four types of punitive force. The first one is physical violence. So this would be something like spanking. The second one is blaming and discrediting that person. The third one would be withholding gratification. So this could be something like grounding a child. And the fourth one is to withdraw acceptance. So this would be, you know, maybe more passive aggressive where you withhold love or caring in order to get somebody to do what you want, or I guess to punish them really. So what he tells us is when you want trying to get somebody to do something, you have to ask yourself two questions. What is it that I want them to do? And what are the reasons that I want them to have for doing it? And the second one's very important, particularly if you're really trying to teach somebody a lesson. You know, sometimes... You think of an old time parent saying to a kid, I'm going to teach you a lesson and then punishing them. But when you do that, what is that parent really teaching that child? Maybe that using violence is a good way to get what you want, or if you're stronger, it's okay to hurt somebody who's smaller. You know, that just might not be the long-term lesson that you want to give that person. This really plays into my parenting philosophy. And there's another author that I really like, has writes about the same thing. Alfie Kohn has written a book called Punished by Rewards and he maintains that punishment and rewards are equally damaging because what we're doing is we're taking our motivation from being intrinsic motivation to extrinsic. We're trying to mo- motivate people with things either punishment or to get something else. We take away the real lesson which is you're trying to teach people I'm trying to teach my children anyway to do things because of relationships and the real reasons behind it. When They do something kind for somebody. I don't want them to think I'm doing something kind because somebody's going to give me some money. I want them to think I'm doing something kind because it helps build a relationship with people and I want to show them respect. So obviously, I really like this book because it talks about a lot of things that I already believe in. The second thing I want to talk about is what Rosenberg calls the development of emotional liberation. So he talks about three phases of emotional liberation. So the first one is where you feel responsible for other people's feelings. You spend all this time trying to make people happy and in that way some of the people in your life that you care for can start feeling like a burden. The second stage is called the obnoxious stage. It is where you realize the emotional toll you, it takes to feel responsible for other people's feelings and you then decide that you're not responsible for their feelings you're only responsible for your own and I think it's called the obnoxious stage because you're only really considering your own feelings rather than other people's. So the last stage Is emotional liberation. And that's where you don't take responsibility for other people's feelings. However, you realize that two different people's needs can be fulfilled if we have empathy and we connect with them. So you can give people empathy with compassion and be supportive of the people in your life without feeling responsibility for their emotions. And this is where we can really make really good relationships. I think this does play into, you know, emotional intelligence, and that's partially what this book is all about. Having emotional intelligence, but also being able to build relationships, have true empathy for each other and for ourselves, and hopefully lead a fulfilling life because of that.
0: This Interruption is brought to you by Unpublished. Do you want to know more about the members and Book Interrupted? Go behind the scenes. Visit our website at www.bookinterrupted.com
1: book interrupted
5: these interruptions are just going to be a bunch of my rants (laughs) have we talked about laundry and and how is it humanly possible that there be that much laundry like how it can be so consistently always dirty i don't see these people wearing all these outfits all these times but i see all these clothes in my dirty laundry pile over and over again week after week jeez it's like friggin groundhog day over here book interrupted
0: let's listen in to this episode's group discussion
5: um kim you missed
3: uh i just was saying that laird and i are maybe going to go out to newfoundland for the summer and work oh cool Uh, When are you supposed to start yeah for uh we will have to leave at the end of this month so in a couple weeks two weeks uh so laird um runs a theater festival or he's the production manager of a theater festival almost every year in newfoundland so I will go and be his assistant, basically live with him. And, but it's like, there's a lot, like we have to get tested. We go to Newfoundland. You've got to do two week quarantine when you're there. It's a lot of work. So (laughs) Kim, I'm not really feeling up to this right now, but I'm going to try my best to, to be charming.
5: Are you going to rally? Like, are you exhausted (laughs) from trying to facilitate going there? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And just like, it's just all a lot of stress. I'm, I'm not, I love change and I hate change. Mm. I need to feel like I need, time to adjust to change. So yeah. for me, when a lot of change is happening, I introvert into myself and just kind of like, I got to get through this, close your eyes, you know, block your yeah. ears, just focus and get through it. So for me, I'm in the focus and get through it and not the be charming and social. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to, trying to, I'm trying to though. turn You're off less. this. Thank you. Anyways, so okay.
1: Yeah. Uh before we turn the page and get right into nonviolent communication, Schweitz, but I just I really do see if you can make it through this tunnel. I just oh my god, I'm like buzzing with excitement. I just yeah. see such potential and really like I think it's gonna thank end up being you. a wonderful thing.
3: So thank you guys. I appreciate yeah. your support. Not everyone's been so supportive. So I appreciate that you guys are oh, all like, great, you should do it.
2: Like, oh, like some sure. people that are
3: like, here are all the reasons you shouldn't. You're like, come on. Like,
2: just be like supportive. Wow. I was talking to a friend about this because she has a big life change. And she's like, I haven't told really anybody like, you know, but I haven't really told people. And I, I sing, I get that because sometimes I don't want to tell somebody because I don't want to have to manage their emotions about it as well as my Mm-mm. own. Exactly. Right? Like I was saying, yeah. Dan and I kind of toyed with like, not telling anybody about being like when we were expecting until like the baby was there right because we're like (laughs) it's already stressful and like we're like no no they'll be hurt because they won't understand that taking care of somebody else's emotions or like when you're doing a big move you're like let's just keep it to ourselves until we have all our ducks in the row Mm -hmm. and we can go "Ah," because sometimes people just um, they load on their anxieties about it and you're like I already got all the anxieties. You don't have to uh, offer more. I think that more. Ha- you know <laughs> that your your book,
3: Nonviolent Communication, falls into all that stuff too, because it's it like does. trying to. I find this book kind of tries to push having to deal with your own emotions and the other person's emotions too much for me. I'm like, I don't care enough about you
5: to <laughs> I don't know. Let's <laughs> I, no, I was just does, thinking. I was like, you of, don't have to manage someone else's emotions. No, like, no. They, I think uh... you, you can just give it to them, and that's their reaction, whether they it's positive oh. or negative.
2: This like leads into something that I wanted (laughs) to say about nonviolent communication that really spoke to me. Cause like I read this for the second time and like, I don't know, I think when you're going to discuss a book with somebody, you kind of pay different attention to it. Anyway, a part of it said you can't give empathy if you don't have empathy. And so he talks about what you can do. Like you can try to get empathy from someone else. That doesn't always work. He talked about emergency self-empathy and talked about. Screaming nonviolently <laughs> or yelling oh, yeah. nonviolently. Forgot part and then now, they talked like about it. removing yourself from the situation and giving yourself time before you address it. And the reason this really talk- spoke to me is particularly with lockdown, I couldn't do those things. Right. So there was all yep. this like hi- heightened level where everybody needed more empathy. And so it was hard to get empathy from others because everybody needed more. It was hard to give it to myself because I didn't have the time and I stressed. So I needed more than I needed before. And I couldn't run away or hide because I had small kids and I completely burnt out. And at that time, tried to use nonviolent communication to try to explain to people my life like that. I don't have anything to give right now. I can't give to you because I'm burnt out. And and that kind of led to actually like my mom ended up coming Early fall last year for three months, because she could tell that I was just like, I'm done. I can't talk to you on the phone. I can't do Zoom calls. I can't do, I'm just holding on by a thread here. And and I thought it was a good point because the book talks a lot about connecting with people and giving them empathy um, and all this stuff, but you can't do that all the time. And that's why it's so hard to do this. So I like this book because if you really need to have an important conversation, it gives you the tools to try to do that in a connecting way and with sensitivity and compassion. And during stressful times, it's really hard. Sometimes you just want to be like, I really do need just to hide away. If you don't have that option, like you can't give anymore. And it's hard Mm -hmm. to tell people, like, I don't have this time for you and I'm sorry, but I want to. It's like those conflicting needs, like the need to keep connection with the people in your life and to be there for them when they need empathy. But sometimes you have to be like, I want to give you empathy. And at the same time, I don't have any left. Like, mm-hmm. my bucket's empty. You and know? then if
1: you try to fake it, it comes across as so inauthentic. Yeah. You know, and like, it's not you, real connection, right? It's not real connection at that point. And it is. I'm sorry to hear how hard it is because it is hard, Meredith. And, right? I like, I just can't, can't wait to, like, thing... get
2: a babysitter for a night and just I know. Like, run away. <laughs>
1: Like Let's And that's the thing is that with COVID, we aren't afforded the opportunity. Many of us aren't, depending mm-hmm. on how our lives are uh, set up in our home base. We don't have those privacy pockets anymore to figure ourselves out or anything. And it's so rejuvenating being able to have one goddamn second to yourself, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really, really challenging.
0: I did like the empathy thing, too, because... I think also it made me think of people who, you know, if you're someone that blames yourself or identifies with some elfin feelings first, it's my Sally, right? If Sally comes out, (laughs) I need to be able to be like, no. And I feel like that empathy part really was about like how I call my pain body Sally. Like a person that sabotaged me like, oh, you're so stupid. Why did you do that? And whatever. So I like that part because I really feel like that. Like you sent me a message, I think, Mar. I mean, like you're <laughs> gonna love the empathy part because it's
2: Sally, totally. Yeah, that's like
0: really Yeah, and it makes me also think. <laughs> I don't know if my mom's gonna be okay with this, but sometimes my mom, because my mom is definitely like blame myself, other people's feelings only type person too. Like I probably learned it from her. Do you remember sometimes when she was, we were kids and she just needed a release? Probably because she needed empathy for herself. She would just stand in one place and go. Ah! <laughs> I've done that. I and mean, we would be like, uh-oh, oh, we broke mom. We'd be like, uh-oh, oh, we did step back. And But that was her being like, I need a relief. And you know what? It,
2: we gave her empathy after that. Right.
0: She needed for her, right? And she'd do yeah. that little scream. And sometimes I do that at home with my kids. If they're like, everybody's just demanding, demanding, then sometimes I just like, and I try to express my needs. Like, I need some space. I need some space. And they don't listen, sometimes I do the,
1: ah! And they're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. oh she's serious this time
2: <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. like i've locked myself in my room so i can be alone not so you can bang a door <laughs> and scream at me
1: <laughs> yeah this wasn't an invitation for you to up the ante of how you can get my attention yeah uh, um, i oh, said man. when the
3: empathy thing i thought it was interesting the one with there was a quote that says uh when this guy rabbi harold kushner's son was dying he heard all these words that were intended to make him feel better, but didn't. And he remembers saying all those words, those same words and it never helping. And I remember like going through, we've talked on the podcast about my issues with fertility. And I remember I was really depressed at one point. And that was my turning point of under really understanding empathy because I would used to say all those same words being like, oh, you know, this is like explaining how to, how to fix it or here's a solution or here's all this stuff. But really the only thing that I needed with someone to just say, I'm feeling emotional. I'm going to, we talked about saying cry. I'm just an emotional moment, but that I just wanted people to be like, I'm here. I know you don't want to talk to me. I know you don't. And I know a bunch of you did that too, just being like, I'm here for you. And that's all like, I don't want you to explain. I don't want you to give me any, I want you to just be there and I think that was really powerful for me in the empathy part because I just I don't know if it's like it must be empathy people were giving me or just being like just don't Mm -hmm. give me sympathy don't give me explanations Mm -hmm. don't give me solutions don't give me any of that and so I think now when I'm have friends that are going through some struggles. Now I know to be like, I'm here, period. That's it. I'm listening. Like Like, that's another thing he said, like, just listen. Just
0: listen and connect with the person when they're expressing their feelings to you. That's all you need to do. It's like so much more powerful, like you're right, then here's a solution. Or one of the things they said, like that sometimes I do too, is like, I just did it to you, (laughs) is like relating, trying to relate instead of being like, no, I hear what you're saying.
2: I made a list of all the things because I was like, oh, yeah, I was looking at this list. I was like, how many times if you when you look at your list, you're like, this is like every conversation I have with anybody, like not necessarily. But if you think about the conversations mm-hmm. you have with people, a lot of these, it's like advising, one upping, educating, consoling, storytelling, shutting down, sympathizing, interrogating, explaining and correcting when you're having a struggle. How many of your, and you're talking to somebody, how many of your conversations are just that, right? Mm. And so it's just interesting being like, we've been doing all this and it's very normal. It's just natural to fall into that because it's hard to know what to say when somebody's having um, a challenging time as well. I mean, but yeah, it's like, I'm like, this is like every conversation I have, like most of them. And so it takes a, it does take a concerted effort to do something different.
1: Absolutely. I think it's worth it. I think it's part of our societal training.
4: That's why I love therapy because it's so though i do i guess care about my therapist on some level cuz i trust her with some of um, with my biggest emotions it's so transactional for me like it's so like i get to be here and this person is paid to listen and nobody else in my life because we're trained to like you said societal training to like especially i think i don't i can't speak for men uh, most of my sharing i think is done with females and like to relate and it's it is comforting But it's a tips and tricks kind of how to hack your husband bullshit that sometimes you just need to just unload. And I love like therapy for that, even though it's like they're paid because they're paid to do it. (laughs) Like, so it's just like if you have a good fit for yourself in therapy, it's like they're just like they're hearing you without... Judgment or without, how can like, yes. And then eventually, let's work through the problem. But at least with my therapist, it's like very like, oh, just feeling heard is so important. And I really want to like work on the God, I'm a shitty listener. Like, I'm a shitty fucking listener. Like, I'm hearing you and I'm having conversations with people and I'm trying to be supportive, but I'm just not a good listener. It's just like, when can we put the mic back on me?
1: (laughs) It's again, I would invite you to not (laughs) person, it's not you, Leah. It's a behavior that you've fine-tuned to prepare your response while listening to another. And most humans from, I mean, I'm just getting into the training of becoming a psychotherapist. And it is like, so far, guys, there's no secret sauce. It has everything to do with how can you show another individual that they are being seen, they are being heard, And they are understood and it's utilizing and practicing the active listening skill set, which is essentially an undoing and an unconditioning of how we've been raised. Because our society, and this is just my own opinions, right? I'm not going to like prove this like with research, but this is what I've started to notice.
2: That's what I expect from you, Kara. Start the research. Yeah.
1: As a wanderer, I know I love just pulling out like theories out of my ass that are like (laughs) not supported with data. But yeah, like what I've been noticing in my wanderings as a therapist in training is our society has, for whatever reason, an in tolerance to hold challenging whatevers, moments, conversations, um, uh, moments. And we don't see how we're being trained from a very young age to engage in toxic positivity. Just because you can express gratitude doesn't also mean that paradoxically there's a shitstorm within you or around you. And it's like we so want to compartmentalize when really what we're simply being invited to is not like that list you were saying, Meredith, and what you were uh, touching upon, Lindsay, is that you didn't need any advice. You didn't need anyone to give you the silver lining. You needed someone who had a willingness that could just sit with you exactly where you are and not decide on your behalf what you need, because part of your processing was trying to figure out what you need. need. And it's really hard because we do have such a society that's filled with so much information. And like everything fast, 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 fast for us to like slow the F down and just sink, just reflect. Yeah, I think it does just takes practice. And it doesn't mean that you Leah are a bad person. It just means you haven't ignited practicing a certain type of behavior because no one in our society says here's your sign you should engage more in shutting the fuck up and opening your ears more i'm horrible at active listening but can i try and get better sure we all can
2: or like in school you're taught to like explain what you know and you're graded on your performance is all based on action and yes. speaking and writing uh, but there's no like Show us how well you listen. I mean, it's yeah. rare. That's what I'm saying. It's rare. One of my friends
0: actually trained as I took the book to our swimming lesson, Nonviolent Communication. I was reading there. And she's actually trained, she's a psychotherapist and she's also trained in nonviolent communication. It's one of her modalities or whatever. And I was talking to her about it and she's like, this book is great for psychotherapy or conflicts in your life or if someone's going through a hard time. Brilliant this book, you, this is not real life. Like some people think they could talk like this all day long. It just you just can't do that natural. all day long. She's like, Mm-mm. it's not authentic or real. Like so, what Leo was saying. Like she's like, so let's say you, you, I came here and we we're sitting at the pool and we we're watching the kids. If I was like, I'm feeling a lot of joy because my need to connect with another mother is being expressed and accepted. And you would look at me like, I'm going to move a couple <laughs> <here>. robot? <laughs> right? She's like, it's not real. Like I would, like you an think android. I'm. And you'd be like, is she off or like, so relating to someone, she's like having those things, like relating to people and the things that you were talking about, like having conversations where you're informing people of things and coming up with solutions for regular conversation is natural and authentic and normal. This this book, she says, is really good for the conflicts wording. or if you're having trouble mm-hmm. in your. You want people to listen to you when there's a problem or you're feeling a lot of emotions or whatever. Big emotions. This book is great. Or she's like, it doesn't work for emergencies either. Like, <laughs> um, I touched on this my personal journal. She like, said <laughs> one of the people emergency. taking the class with us. She was like, came back and she's like, I yelled at my daughter even though we just did the training but she was almost falling off this cliff. I should have said, I'm very scared. And the teacher was like, no, nonviolent communication takes a long (laughs) time. And you need to scream at your daughter to make her not die. So you did the right thing. And she's like, oh, okay. So there's circumstances. And they're like, yeah. And he touches it in the book too. But at the time she was like, I was at a training and someone was like, oh, I didn't say, I'm feeling very scared that you might die if you take another
2: step forward. (laughs) I screamed at her instead. She's like, yeah, that's what, that's real. That's normal. (laughs) Yes, you should. Save her their life. You can't talk about it if they're dead. Oh my God.
0: That's what she was saying. She's like, it's an excellent tool. What we, I find when I was doing trainings or we, other people read the book and come to me that it's not for like, it's not for your everyday life. You can't it's use it your, all the
2: time. It's too yeah. taxing, especially since yeah. most people haven't read the book and haven't done the training. So you're just going to be like, what are you talking about? So you're going to have to like, <laughs> you can tell them your needs. And like you said, they don't always hear it. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I'm telling you, I need you to move to the left. And like, you don't control my body. And you're like, "No, I just need you to move slightly to the left. Or whatever, like, you know, sometimes people don't hear what you're saying, but it's true. I think any kind of nonviolent communication is hard to do day to day. Like, I'd love to use it every time my kids have a conflict to mediate. I just don't have the energy to do it every time. So I figure if I pick and choose, eventually, maybe they'll start resolving the conflicts themselves but it can't be every day because some days i'm just like you over there and you over there i can't deal with this fighting and it Uh takes a lot of energy like i read the book and i could maybe pick
3: out there was a couple of things that i will use or i could use but for me to like i'd have to reread it again i'd have to go to classes for me to really understand how to put this into use and use it normally in a normal conversation or whatever dealing with conflict if i was in conflict i wouldn't be like okay, let me stop and think how to do this. Like it have to, you'd have to study it enough to make it a natural thing. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm.
5: Kim, we haven't heard much from you, Kim. I liked what Sarah said because while you guys were all talking, I was like, "Mm, I don't know if I agree with everything that's being said here. But so I'm just like reflecting in the light of the alternate interpretation and i think that it's a good tool for someone who maybe doesn't it's a good communication tool to add to your tool belt just i guess like what that person that sarah was at swimming lessons with said and maybe for me i feel like i have some version of that tool in my tool belt already so to have a book about it um cuz it's got to be really specific if you don't understand if you don't know that then you would want someone to explain it to you well and so that's what that book is doing But then I fear that it comes off as like that woman with her child on the cliff, that there isn't other versions of communication or you just get like wrapped right up into this one way of doing things. I think what it boils down to is having an ability to know yourself and also having and I don't know if it's like emotional maturity or I don't know what the the descriptor would be of the ability to do this but also being able to like separate yourself so that you know you can guard against taking things personally I think that's a lot of times where communication goes off the rails when it you take it personally and then we're just having a like you hurt my feelings more fight and then it's kind of like the fair fighting rules. Like, I just feel like it's got its place, but, um, and some of it, like I was thinking about when we were saying about empathy and just hearing and whatever, like, I don't, I don't want that. <laughs> like if I'm coming to someone or if I'm having a hard time, I don't want someone just to be like, I'm here. I'll be like, get fucking out of here or talk to me. So we can like, like, I need to, and I might not take any of their advice or whatever, but I really like to like hash things out almost to the point of pushing them away because we just keep on talking about the same thing. Like <laughs> I
4: think like that I... those some problems are unfixable, right? Well, for, like that's a Lindsay's problem was borderline un, it was to a point where it's it an is. unfixable problem. But then it becomes about like the, the solution
5: yeah. to that problem is how do you get okay with it? It's almost like to the serenity prayer you know like what Mm. can I change and what can't I change and give me the grace to know or whatever that's how I feel like and it's the same like some things are unfixable so it's up to you now to to figure out how you're gonna go on with your life right or is it gonna forever be a problem for you you know
3: I think that's a difference between you and I too I'm even though people might think I'm an extrovert because I'm a server and stuff, I'm not like I like to say I like to deal with myself inside of myself and so I feel like, Kim, you're more of an extrovert in the fact that you get your energy and stuff from other people and you need that. So for me, I don't want to talk everything over. I don't, I don't want, so for mm-hmm. me, that was why that was important to me to have people just be there because I, I couldn't even talk about it. I couldn't talk about it. I couldn't do anything. I just needed to be feeling the way that I was feeling in order for me to take that
5: time. Sorry, um, I'm not making a to face at it. you. Can you hear no. my neighbor yelling? No. no. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, my face is like, I'm um, like, I am, I am violently considering <laughs> communicating. Like, <laughs> anyway, um, violently. I, I think that that's another good point, Lindsay, because that's what I'm worried, not worried about, but that's where I resist with this book is because that's a perfect example. We're two reasonable people functioning. We have differences and whatever, and we need two different ways. Hmm. You know what I mean? That's where I'm like, well, that way, I mean, yeah. And the other thing too is like, nonviolent communication is the title right but like I already communicate my needs effectively it's you know what I mean it's a tool to help you communicate your needs effectively it's a tool to help you understand someone else's needs so that you can solve conflicts great but there's you can do that without calling it nonviolent, or maybe it is called nonviolent communication but it doesn't have to be like through this book I don't I'm that's why I was quiet because I was I have an unformed thought about it so I still (laughs) Um, don't feel like I've really expressed it yet
2: Maybe kind of what you're saying uh like the two of you are saying too is like sometimes maybe it's just worth saying, "Hey, what do you need from me?" Like do you want to talk it out or do you just yeah. want me to listen or even just being aware that we all have the same needs but we fulfill those needs differently sometimes. But the book yeah. like,
0: but that's what the book is saying mm-hmm. is that trying to figure out the person you're just in the conversation or connection with, you're trying to figure out their needs. So if I was in a situation with Kim, I would be like, no, she wants to talk it out. So we're blue in the face and awesome. But I know with Lindsay, <laughs> because she's a different person, I know her needs are for me just to sit with her and be like, I'm listening to what you have this, you know what I mean? Like, so I think that it has to do with the individual person. And maybe the book didn't outline that as much, but what he was saying over and over is trying to anticipate the other person's needs while still communicating your needs. That's why he did that whole paraphrasing thing being like, so you're saying that you know, just want me to sit like here and listen sometimes. to you. Or you're saying that you would like us to discuss it, maybe look up some things on the internet, maybe do a tarot card reading. Like <laughs> you know, what I mean?
5: like,
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's active listening. Right, active listening, right,
5: yeah.
1: Paraphrasing, reflecting, silence. So it bugs me that he took
5: all these things that already exist and like was like, here's my way. And I'm like, those ways are already ways. You just packaged them.
3: This has been around, what, for a long time?
1: Like a long time.
3: And my mom took this when she was in nursing school so or whatever so that and that like what in the 70s or whatever so she thinks that maybe this was where the starting of a lot of that like talking about active listening and talking about came from nonviolent
5: communication that makes me feel better if it's the basis of it yeah Yeah. I recognize these things I've never heard them called this yeah so this is already something else
3: yeah, you know? it's, right. that's where it kind of, I think, I'm began. Trying to find the I original mean, I don't know for sure. Yeah, don't
2: yeah. quote me. But, but yeah, he's been doing this for, well, I mean, because he's not around anymore.
0: Thank you for joining us on this episode of Book Interrupted. If you'd like to see the video highlights from this episode, please go to our YouTube channel, Book Interrupted. You can also find our videos on www.bookinterrupted.com.
4: Hi, this is Leah of Book Interrupted. Did you know? I illustrated a book for a self-published author. The Book Interrupted team is interested in reaching out to more self-published authors. You scratch our backs, we'll scratch yours. Go to www.bookinterrupted.com forward slash sponsorship. Thanks. Bye. Moments you can look forward
0: to on next week's Book Interrupted. I love taking things
5: personally. <laughs> I, I like taking
2: things personally. <laughs> it made me feel very uncomfortable, that part of the book. Or a narcissist, <laughs> right? Um, my yeah. needs, my needs. What
3: they're saying, nonviolent communication, but it's really just another way to control the person who's being
2: abused. I think, I think if both okay.
1: parties are willing to dance, yeah. but it if you're the need. one that you're like like dragging the body like it. across it the dance floor.
2: He calls the obnoxious phase, which is like an obnoxious name for it. It's a little rude. Um,
1: book interrupted
5: never forget 215 every child matters